Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to take a look at how the laws affect children as we grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Emma Constance? Well, I would like to know more about the cases that are heard in the High Court and also how judges are appointed. In our previous podcasts, we've heard about the different types of courts in England and Wales and that there are two systems, criminal and civil. Crimes are dealt with after investigations by the police and are then brought by the Crown Prosecution Service and heard in the criminal courts. The civil courts hear disputes involving people and organisations. Both systems are rather like a triangle, with the majority of cases being heard at what are called the lower courts. In the civil system, these are the county courts. The next level is the high court, where more serious and complex cases are heard. Let's talk to the Honourable Mrs Justice Joanna Smith, who was appointed a High Court judge in January 2021. Jo, welcome to our Kids Law Podcast. We are really pleased to have you here. Can you please tell us about the different types of courts within the High Court and where are they based? Well, thank you very much, Alma Constance and Lucinda. I'm delighted to be here and to be speaking to you this morning. So to begin then with your question, the High Court, where I sit, is organised into three separate divisions, and they are called the Queen's Bench Division, the Chancery Division and the Family Division, and they all deal with civil cases. Now, each of those divisions has its own specialist areas of expertise. So starting with the Chancery Division, which is where I sit, that deals with complicated and high value cases involving lots of money and technical disputes about things like insolvency, when companies run out of money, disputes about property, disputes about trusts. And the judges in the Chancery Division also sit in a number of specialist courts relating to tax appeals and competition law. That is the law relating to regulating companies in the markets. There are also specialist courts in the Chancery Division, the Companies Court, the Patents Court and the Bankruptcy Court. The Queen's Bench Division is a different division of the High Court, and it deals generally with cases involving things like personal injury, breach of contract, defamation. That is when one party says something about another that someone doesn't like and they want to say that that was a lie or it was untrue and that they bring proceedings in relation to that actions to recover a debt that somebody owes you, those sorts of things. There are also specialist areas of the Queen's Bench Division as well. Those are primarily the commercial court, which deals also with complex commercial cases in a similar way to some of the cases in the Chancery Division. And then there's also the Technology and Construction Court, which is another place that I am able to sit. And that deals with cases primarily involving disputes about the construction of buildings, the negligence of contractors, of architects and engineers, and disputes about the building projects going into delay and so forth. So you can see those two divisions have a very broad jurisdiction. Finally, there is also the family division, which deals with divorces and disputes over the custody of children and hearings about adoption and wardship and all matters, in fact, relating to children. Those are essentially what the three divisions of the High Court deal with. 
And judges in all of those divisions can also hear appeals from the lower courts, the county courts too. Now, those judges very often will sit in London and usually Chancery Division judges sit in London most of the time, with some exceptions. But judges in the other divisions travel around the country in order to sit in regional courts. And some of the Queen's Bench judges sit in the criminal courts as well to hear the big criminal cases throughout the country. Can you please explain how judges are appointed to the High Court? Yes, well, I've had quite recent experience of that. It's very important that judges are appointed with very diverse backgrounds so that the judiciary can be seen to represent the population. And so there is an open and transparent appointment exercise, which is called a competition. And it happens once a year. And potential candidates are invited to fill out quite a lengthy application form and to explain why they think that they have the expertise and the talents required to become a judge. If you're fortunate enough to get through to the next round, then the people who are looking at the applications will take up references from judges that you have been in front of as a barrister. And those judges will hopefully say nice things about your abilities And then you go on to an interview. And my interview took place during the lockdown in in the pandemic. And I had a number of judges and lay people who were interviewing me across Zoom. And I had a number of scenarios that were provided to me in advance of the interview to enable me to prepare so that when I went online with them, I could then give Uh, mini judgments for them so that they could test whether I had the sort of skills necessary. And so then after that, I had to wait for a couple of months to hear what the outcome of the interview was. Why did you want to be a barrister and then a judge? Well, I originally wanted to be an actress because I enjoyed performing And I enjoyed words and language and I loved English at school. That was my favourite subject. I really loved reading. Um, There there wasn't really any history of law in my immediate family, so I didn't know a great deal about it. But I had a marvellous teacher at my school who suggested that because I loved English, uh, she thought that I would be very well suited to becoming a lawyer. And she suggested that I should read various books about, about the law and talk to lawyers. And she suggested that I should go on work experience that would enable me to understand more about what the law would involve. And I did all of that. And I then applied to read law at university. And I really enjoyed it. I discovered that it was an absolutely fascinating subject. Once I'd begun to understand what it involved, I then realised that I enjoyed presenting cases and I enjoyed arguing about the rights and the wrongs of a particular case. And so that led me down the barrister route because barristers are the ones who present the cases in court, whereas solicitors, by and large, tend to be the ones who have the contact with the clients on a much more regular basis to resolve their problems. I was called to the bar in 1990. And I practiced over many years as a junior barrister, going to all sorts of courts within the civil jurisdiction. I was made a Queen's Counsel, a silk, a leading barrister in 2009. I led teams of lawyers to do big, high value cases. 
And I loved the bar generally. It was a fantastic, challenging, wonderful place to work. But at the same time, after about 30 years at the bar, I decided that now I wanted a new challenge. And so I began to sit as an arbitrator in arbitrations and I applied to become a deputy high court judge, which enabled me to see whether that was something that I would enjoy. And as a deputy high court judge, you sit in court about four to six weeks a year. And I realized that it was something that I enjoyed. And so that was what made me make the application to become a permanent judge. What is your working day like? Well, it can be different depending on what I've got in my diary on any particular day. But if I've got a hearing on that day, then I will get into my room early in order to read the papers and prepare for the hearing. I have a room in the Rolls Building in London, which is where the business and property courts are based. I'm on the fourth floor of that building, so I'm very close to the court that I have to then go and sit in. So I will be working on the papers. Most of that is electronic bundles now. We still do get some paper bundles, but I tend to prefer electronic bundles. I might chat to my clerk about what the day involves. My clerk is um, a wonderful woman who gives me support and who helps me to deal with my diary and the other parties to the case. And we might then go down to court for, for a 10.30 start, which is when the court convenes. And I will sit in court between 10.30 and 4.30 if I'm sitting all day. And we'll have about an hour for lunch. And when I'm sitting in court, if I'm in the Chancery Division, I'll be wearing my robes, which are long black robes with red bands at the neck. If I'm sitting in the Technology and Construction Court, they don't wear robes, so I'll just be wearing my suit. After court, I might do some work on my judgment following that day, or I might have some outstanding judgments from previous cases that I need to work on. I might read the papers for the following day's hearing. I might have to attend meetings about various things. There's quite a lot of administration for the court service, so I might have to attend a meeting. I might pop in to see one of the other judges to have a chat with them about something that's happened in court or uh, a particularly knotty problem that I've got in one of my judgments. What happens if people don't like what you decide in court? <laughs> Well, it's nearly always the case that one side or the other doesn't like what you've decided because, of course, they're in dispute with each other and uh, you're always going to be deciding in favour of one of them and against another. And the party that doesn't like what you've decided generally has an opportunity to appeal. So if I'd made the decision, they'd come in front of me and they'd say, we would like permission to appeal. And the test that I have to apply is whether there's a real prospect of success on the appeal. Now, sometimes I might have found it really difficult to arrive at my judgment. And the case law that I had to look at was really complicated. And I might have felt that it was a very close balance one way or the other as to the right answer. And in that case, I'll give them permission to appeal in that situation. If I refuse permission to appeal, then the uh, dissatisfied party can approach the Court of Appeal and ask the Court of Appeal to give them permission. And the Court of Appeal may decide that, in fact, they should have permission because they do have a real prospect of success. Then they have an opportunity to have their appeal heard in front of the Court of Appeal.
Did you ever have a case that involved children as a barrister? And can you tell us more about the cases involving children that are heard in the High Court? Well, because of the nature of the work that I did, which focused largely on commercial cases and on the professional negligence of professionals, I didn't really encounter many cases involving children. Although I suppose the closest that I could think of involved the negligence of contractors in installing heating in a boarding school. And so I had to go to the boarding school and I had to inspect the boarding house. And we didn't get to trial because it settled, but there would have been evidence from some of the children who were in the boarding house about the temperature that they had been having to suffer because the contractor had not put in sufficiently warm heating into their house. But cases involving children tend to be heard in the family division, and that's not really somewhere that I work. But I can tell you that those cases are usually involved with the welfare and protection of children. And they arise really in two contexts, in the private context, that is in relation to family disputes, divorces and separations by parents. And they arise in the public context, which is to say where local authorities are seeking to protect children from particularly difficult circumstances that they may be encountering uh, in their homes or in the environment where they live. And so those are really the two types of cases involving children. Are children's views listened to in court and how does this work? Children's views are, are listened to in court and the courts consider them to be very important. But of course, the courts don't have children giving evidence on a regular basis because that would be very intimidating and very difficult for children to have to deal with. So my understanding is that in the family division, particularly very young children are supported by uh, specialist individuals who will talk to them and try to understand how they're feeling and what they're thinking about the particular issues perhaps, for example, a divorce between their parents. And those individuals will gather information from the children and they will then report to the court as to the child's views and feelings about what they want to do, perhaps about which parent they want to live with. And the judge will take all of that into account when trying to decide on, for example, where the child should live and how much access one particular parent should have to the child. Sometimes for older children, they may be allowed to come to the court and they may be allowed to speak to the judge. But that will depend on the views that social workers and teachers and parents and individuals whose job it is to look after their welfare, they take as to the child's ability to express themselves and not to get upset in that particular environment so the courts are very, very careful to ensure that at all times, children's best interests are taken into account and their welfare is put at front and centre of what the court is trying to do. But that won't always, of course, involve the child actually appearing in court. I have a question I ask all of our guests. What were you like at 10 and what did you imagine you would go on to be as an adult? 
Well, I did have a sneak preview that you would ask me this question, Alma. <laughs> um, and uh, I looked at a few photographs of myself as a 10 year old, and I actually spent a great deal of time, according to the photographs, standing on my head, which I was very proud of as something that I could actually achieve. <laughs> um, I also loved reading books. I really liked taking photographs with a very old fashioned, very small box like camera, but I wasn't very good because I was all, always cutting people's heads off in my photographs. I went to a lot of different schools when I was younger because my father was in the RAF and I moved around a lot. And in fact, when I was 10, I was actually living in Germany uh, and I was going to a school in Germany on a forces base gradually from the age of 10 up, really, that was when I started to think that I wanted to become an actress. And I did quite a bit of acting at school, beginning with playing Scrooge in A Christmas Carol when I was about 10 or 11. Joe, thank you so much for telling us about the work of High Court judges. Do you have any final advice for children who want to understand or be involved in law? Well, what I would say is that the law generally is a wonderful, uh, exciting, challenging proposition for anyone. And as a child, if you have an idea that it might be something that would attract you, you obviously need to find out more about it because the, it, there are lots of different areas of the law and lots of parts of the law that you could work in. You could become a solicitor, a barrister, you could become a legal executive, you could want to become a judge, you could become a mediator. There are so many different things that the law involves. So it's important to try to find out about all the possibilities. It's also important to work hard at school, because if you're going to become a lawyer, you need to get good grades in your exams. And you also need to try and find out a bit more about those opportunities that I've already mentioned by trying to speak to people who are lawyers by having work opportunities in the workplace, perhaps visiting courts, going to sit in on trials in court buildings so that you can see exactly what it involves, what being a lawyer involves on a daily basis. Uh, I think there are also a number of children's books which talk about understanding the law and so on. So there are a number of avenues that you could take if you are interested in studying law later on in your life. What do you think about what Joe Smith told us today? Well, there are lots of divisions in the High Court and it's very important to get judges from different backgrounds to have different viewpoints. If you don't like what the judge has decided, you can challenge the decision, which is called appealing a decision. And even if you are very young, the courts will have someone to represent your views. If you want to listen to more about how children are dealt with in criminal courts and the Crown Prosecution Service and in family courts, you can listen to our previous episodes. And I thought it was interesting that she suggested if you were interested in a career in the law is to read more, find out about all the other different jobs and speak to other people about their experience. In these podcasts, we've been exploring about how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so that they can make informed decisions, not only about their lives, but also about voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works, or even if they want to work in the law. It's also important that children know they should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. 
Remember, if you have any worries, talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. And this includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too. So tell them that you need to talk to them. You can find out more information on our Kids Law Info website. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.